Hello and welcome to Habemus Papam, episode 90, St. Gregory III. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. Hey everyone, let's get right into it. St. Gregory III was born in Syria and migrated to Rome during the Islamic invasions of the early 8th century. We've seen this pattern with a lot of our popes in the last hundred years or so. He entered the service of the church and was ordained a priest and assigned most likely to the church of San Crisogono in Trastevere. And he was evidently very well known for his sanctity, but also his scholarly abilities. He was very skilled in both Greek and Latin. And because of this, his election to the papacy was quite spontaneous. In 731, at the death of Pope St. Gregory II, the future St. Gregory III, went with all the priests to pray and reverence the departed Holy Father. When St. Gregory got to the coffin to pray, the people rushed upon him and spontaneously elected him Pope. And he was consecrated the Bishop of Rome on March 18, 731. And this makes him the last Pope to be born outside of Europe before Pope Francis in the modern time. So if you remember from last week, the East was dealing with the heresy of iconoclasm which was the rejection of any images of the saints and Jesus in church. And Gregory III, immediately after being elected, wrote a strongly worded letter to Emperor Leo III, who had been promoting iconoclasm, telling him that he was heretical and out of line. But the letter never got to him. And it's funny, because the priest who was supposed to carry it got too scared to enter Byzantine temp territory. And so he returned to Rome with his tail kind of behind his, between his legs. And so the Pope admonished him to do his duty, and so he went back out again, and he made it as far as Sicily, but then the letter was stolen from him by Byzantine authorities, and the priest was banished by the emperor, so he probably had good reason to be scared. So Gregory decided his next step was to call a synod in Rome, which began in November of 731, and it was comprised of bishops from Italy and the West in general. And this synod condemned iconoclasm and sent to the emperor their rulings, along with petitions from the people of Italy, begging for an end to iconoclasm. But like the last letter, all this got stolen in Sicily, which was very pro-Byzantine at the time, and it didn't reach its destination. So the Pope decided to build a new chapel at St. Peter's Basilica, dedicated to Our Lady and all the martyrs, which would be full of icons of the saints. And this was a little act of protest. And he officially excommunicated the Emperor Leo III, which was a much bigger act of protest. The Emperor's response was you know, like an emperor would be, in force. He got together a fleet of ships and sent them off to attack the Pope, but the entire fleet was wrecked by a storm in the Adriatic Sea. So then he decided to increase taxes on papal lands in Sicily and in Croatia, and he transferred the diocese in those places from the jurisdiction of Rome to the jurisdiction of Constantinople. And it's important here to note that the two conflicts have now been twisted together. In general, as we saw last time, Leo III needed to raise taxes because the Byzantine Empire was financially on very, very shaky ground and dangerously unsound. But it all got mushed together, and consequently, tensions really started to rise. Gregory III was well aware of this, and he just began to undertake at his own personal expense the restoration of the walls of Rome, just in case. And we've seen this a couple times now with popes. When a pope starts investing in the Roman walls, you know that there's some issue that is really getting them frightened some political force which they don't think they can handle on their own with diplomacy. The chaos within the Byzantine Empire 
led to further confusion in Italy. The various Lombard duchies started fighting one another. We talked about this last week. They were fighting the Byzantines, and they were threatening Rome. And if you remember from last week, the current king of the Lombards, who was a man named Liuputrand, had conquered the nominally independent Lombard duchies of Beneventum and Spoleto, south of Rome. But in 737, Spoleto rebelled, and its duke, whose name was Transamund, decided to enter into an alliance with Rome and with Beneventum. Lupitrand was uh, quite upset by this turn of events, so he marched down, he recaptured the two duchies, and then he started attacking Rome himself. Transamund had fled to Rome, and the pope refused to turn him over to Lupitrand, so the latter started attacking and conquering Roman towns. Gregory III sent envoys to the Lombard king suing for peace, but it was to no avail. So finally the Romans decided to fight on behalf of Transamund, and a Roman army helped him to reconquer the Duchy of Spoleto. But as soon as he was back in power, he didn't thank Rome very well. He canceled his agreement with Rome, and Gregory III himself died shortly thereafter, in 741. So his diplomatic activity seems to have only caused the, Romans, the Lombards to dislike the Romans more. Now, the immediate results of all this are going to have to wait for next week, but I wanted to mention it because it's going to play a role in setting us up for next episode. Because what's happened? The Byzantines are going crazy, the Lombards are going crazy, and they're marching on Rome. And then, after their one Lombard guy betrays them, the Pope dies. And all this is going to play a huge role in the term of St. Zachary, the next Pope. But we're going to have to wait to talk about him next time. Thanks for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com or you can find us on iTunes. Thank you and God bless you.